Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Hamilton's police chief says the force will step up to protect pedestrians. Federal conservative leadership contender Jean Chaudet joins us to talk about the campaign trail. The Green Party criticizing the Ford government's urban sprawl plan. Will you vote by mail for the June 2nd Ontario election? We chat with Jim Cuddy of Blue Rodeo about their upcoming Hamilton shows. And are movies too long these days? Yeah, of course they are. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Since January, eight people have lost their lives as a result of being hit by a vehicle, including the hit and run that killed conductor Boris Brott. What is going on? Why is this happening? How can pedestrians, most importantly, stay safe when they're crossing through crosswalks? on the sidewalk, in their community, in their neighborhood. Constable Stan Larkin is the Traffic Safety Coordinator with Hamilton Police and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Constable Larkin. How are you today? Good morning. I am good, sir. Thank you. So what is going on? A lot of people asking this question about pedestrian safety in this city. Yes. Uh, Yes, so far this year we have had uh, eight people uh, pass away on our streets. And uh, yes, it's uh, much too high. and we're hoping to get out there and uh, and educate and enforce and bring these uh, these fatalities and collisions down. Is there some sort of common denominator we can point to? Is it speed, distracted driving, aggressive driving, impaired driving? What what are the reasons for this? Well, uh, all road users have a uh, an obligation to make sure that uh, they're conducting themselves properly. Uh, recently, we've seen that uh, dangerous driving has been a contributing factor. But our message is out there that to each and every one of those people who are crossing the road or uh, using the road, whether it be the roadway itself or a crosswalk, do so in a, a responsible manner so that your interaction with other people is done so safely and, and courteous to others. Chief Bergen said uh, Hamilton Police will be targeting the city's top 10 collision intersections. So what should motorists be um, anticipating at these intersections? Well, uh, our uh, traffic safety unit are, uh, will be out there looking uh, at these high collision intersections, making sure people are uh, turning properly, coming to a stop before the uh, crosswalk and the stop lines, and making sure their, uh, their movements are done so in a safe manner. Also at red lights, and uh, speeding as well. Constable Stan Larkin is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Constable Larkin is a traffic safety coordinator with Hamilton Police, and we're talking about a recent rash of pedestrians being hit by vehicles in this city. Uh, The chief also committing to working closely with the city on implementing road safety reform. What does that look like? Well, we're going to work uh, collaboratively with uh, the city of uh, Hamilton, and we'll look at enforcement, education, and engineering and see if uh, any of those need to be upgraded or uh, closely looked at so we can reduce our collisions. And engineering could be could be changing the look or uh, how a, an intersection kind of flows? Well, all of those uh, three things I listed there are possibilities. We have to look at them a little bit more intently and come up with some sort of solutions. Uh, human behavior and uh, driving behaviors tend to be our, our top cause. And, and during the pandemic, those behaviors have changed, right? There, at, at one point, there was a lot fewer vehicles on the roads. There was a lot fewer people on the sidewalks, that's, that's for sure. And that's kind of come back to more of the normal kind of flow. Has that been a factor, do you think? 
Well, right now, as the restrictions have been lifted, we're going to see uh, more people out and enjoying the weather. Uh, our spring-like conditions are uh, are happening, so people want to get out of their houses and enjoy. That means uh, crossing the street and driving. So uh, our message is uh, quite simple. If you're out using our roadways, do do so in a responsible manner, and uh, that's courteous to others. Uh, there's a petition circling around the city calling on uh, city officials to adopt more traffic calming measures at intersections. Or are those needed? What more can be done in that regard? Well, I, that'll be a part of our uh, engineering process with the city of Hamilton. Maybe uh, more traffic calming measures will be required in certain areas. I, again, the education and enforcement aspect of that will, is also very important as well. Should I make, make mention too that police can't be everywhere. Like drivers and pedestrians have to be aware of their surroundings and, and what's going on at the end of the day. That is true, sir. Uh, like I, I often tell people if you're going to uh, uh, make a movement that's going to affect the flow of traffic, whether you're a driver or a pedestrian, make sure you make that movement in a safe manner. Make eye contact with a driver and the pedestrian, so that your intention is uh, quite clear that you want to cross or you're making a turn. And uh, even though there's no verbal uh, communication between the two, there's an understanding that uh, the interaction you're going to have should be a safe one. Constable Larkin, appreciate your time today. Good luck in making our roads a little bit safer. Thank you for having me. That is uh, Constable Stan Larkin, Traffic Safety Coordinator with Hamilton Police. And uh, as you can tell, it's been an issue in this city. I mean, eight people dying after being hit by a vehicle since January, uh, that's uh, that number's way too high. Way too high for the first three or four months of this year. And whether we're distracted or just in a rush or, uh, God forbid, we just don't care, uh, we got to correct this. And whether it's through traffic calming measures, increased education, increased enforcement, safety reform, whatever the magic pill is, let's digest it. Because uh, we got to get to a better place here. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, conservatives across Canada will choose a new leader this September to replace the ousted Aaron O'Toole. And while we're in the early stages of the campaign, the gloves have certainly come off. Leadership hopeful Jean Chaudet has fired the latest salvo, calling for fellow leadership contender Pierre Poiliev to be disqualified from the race because he supported the so-called Freedom Convoy in Ottawa. Mr. Chaudet joins us on Good Morning Hamilton to talk about this and some other hot topics on the campaign trail. Good morning, Jean. How are you today? I'm fine, Rick. I'm very, very well. And uh, hello to the folks in Hamilton. Mr. Poiliev didn't break any laws, as far as I know. Why should he be DQ'd from the Conservative leadership race? Well, what I'm saying is that he's, uh, if he wants to be the leader of a party and if he wants to be the chief legislator of the country, Rick, he cannot go out there and support people who are breaking laws and supporting blockades. I mean, it's that simple. You can't make laws, you can't change laws, and then break laws. And you can't put yourself above the law. And it's a, it's a very important principle of leadership if you're in that uh, position, of privileged position, of being a member of parliament. And, uh, and that's, that's what I uh, feel, uh, that's what I've practiced all my life. And, uh, and I, I think it's true in this leadership race. Can we really have a leader? And a prime minister who encourages other people to, you know, do blockades. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that is uh, is right, and I don't think that's uh, leadership. 
You've been in countless leadership races, uh, election campaigns. Mr. Polyev has been drawing some pretty big crowds at his leadership campaign stops. Does that hold any weight at all? It's about memberships. I mean, this whole leadership race, Rick, will be about memberships in the end. Uh, there, it's the members who vote. And we have until the 3rd of uh, September to sign up uh, new members. And, to, uh, and they will be eligible to vote for a final tally that will be taken on the 10th of September. So anyone wanting to support me can go to jeancheret.ca and they, uh, they'll find there the information they need to be able to sign up and support my campaign. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Jean Chaudet, Conservative Leadership Candidate. You're listening to 900 CHML. Let's uh, forget about Mr. Paulia for a second and talk about your ideas. Uh, the federal government unveiled its latest budget last week, and one of the focuses was on tackling the housing crisis. How would you go about making um, homes more affordable to everyday Canadians? The, the basic issue is uh, in a, the inventory of houses. There's just not enough houses in, uh, in the whole country to be able to meet the, the uh, demand, and that's pushing prices very high. And, uh, and what I think we need to do is encourage municipalities and uh, the provinces, but in particular municipalities, to be able to build more, to deregulate as much as they can, and to build, you know, uh, duplexes or uh, twin housings uh, and intergenerational housing. Those are the kind of solutions that are going to take some time because we're not going to be able to do this overnight. But uh, at the end of the day, if there are not more houses in that marketplace, the prices are still going to remain very high. Another prong in the budget was defense spending and an increase in the defense budget, and as well as how Canada was assisting Ukraine in its war against Russia. Um, would you have done anything differently than what Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau has done when it comes to Ukraine? We should have intervened more earlier with lethal weapons and supplying Ukraine with as many lethal weapons as we could. And uh, But now we just don't have uh, enough of a supply ourselves because we've neglected mil military and defense spending for years. I came out with a policy last week on defense spending, Rick, in which we should commit to 2%. We also need uh, spending relative to GDP, but we also need to do uh, a lot of work in Canada's north. I would open two military bases in the Arctic, one with a deep water port, so that we could occupy our territory and defend our, our land. We are neighbors of Russia in the north, and, and I think it's urgent for us to, uh, to do that. I would renew, of course, with NORAD, the uh, whole telecommunications apparatus in the north and the radar system. And we need to build uh, buy submarines or build submarines. We need to do more ships. I mean, there's a whole host of things that we can't do overnight. I mean, you know, to be very, uh, very direct about it. And we're going to move to 2% of GDP, but it, it'll have to happen over time because we, we just need that time to be able to buy the equipment. Conservative leadership hopeful Jean Chaudet is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. What is the most common issue, Jean, that you're hearing on the campaign trail? Canadians, first of all, there's a sense, Rick, that in this leadership race, the country is faced with a real choice. Conservatives won't only choose a leader for the party. I mean, it'll be a conservative leader for the party, but there's also a choice of where politics will go in this country. Either we are going to go down the route of American-style politics, wedge-style politics, attack dogs, and sloganism, or we're going to remain Canadian. That's the first thing that uh, comes to mind, and that's why this leadership race is of interest for uh, uh, all Canadians, in fact. The second thing I hear everywhere I go is an adult in the room. 
Canadians want a leader in Ottawa that is going to have some experience, some maturity, some uh, and and able to lead the country, apart from just doing some posturing or, or virtue signaling or doing uh, doing sloganism. So that's that's the other thing that we're hearing about this leadership race, and they want the Conservative Party to be a national party. And in this race, there's one candidate who can win the country and allow us to win an election campaign, and I'm that candidate. And, you know, no other candidate is going to do that. In fact, it's even the contrary. Somebody like Mr. Putyev is going to reduce the scope of the party in the country, when in fact we want to do exactly the contrary to win. We've lost three consecutive election campaigns. So how many more times do you want to continue losing is the question that members in the party should ask themselves. Mr. Chalet, appreciate your time today. Best of luck on the campaign trail, and we're certainly a touch base uh, with you once again uh, sometime down the road. Thank you very much, Rick. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Federal Conservative leadership candidate Jean Chalet joining us in full attack mode, as you can hear. Will it make a difference on September the 10th? We shall find out. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, urban sprawl, the the urban boundary in this city and in many communities in this province has been a hot topic in each and every one of those communities who's debating whether or not to expand outward or try to build upward. Here in Hamilton, it's it's the latter. City Council is saying, hey, listen, there's enough spaces in town that we can build up. We can improve the infrastructure that, that's going to need to be improved anyways. Let's spend the money that way. Province has some different ideas, though. How do the other parties look at this? What's their plan? Well, one of the parties coming forward with some ideas is the Green Party of Ontario. And we're joined now by the leader of that party, Mike Schreiner. Mike, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Rick. It's uh, great to be on. Beautiful sunny morning. Absolutely. You were in uh, Ajax yesterday to promote your message of stopping sprawl. As I mentioned, this is a hot topic throughout the province, certainly here in Hamilton. What do you make of the province's sprawl plan and what would you like to see? Well, Doug Ford's pro-sprawl agenda is simply going to make life unaffordable for people. It's going to pave over the farmland that feeds us, the wetlands that protect us, and it's going to supercharge climate pollution at a time when we're in a climate emergency. So, you know, I want to give Hamilton a pat on the back for having the courage to stand up uh, to the Ford government and say, no, we're not going to expand our urban boundaries. The bottom line is, is we can't keep forcing people, especially young people, to have to commute longer and longer distances just to be able to find a place to live. It's simply unaffordable. When we're losing 175 acres of farmland every day, we simply can't continue to pave over the farmland that feeds us and the wetlands that protect us from flooding. And my gosh, the biggest driver of climate pollution in Ontario is transportation, largely driven by this sprawl agenda. Let's build livable, affordable, connected communities where people can live close to where they work, where they where they want to play and where they want to shop locally, supporting small businesses. Uh, we heard uh, not too long ago from Flamborough Glanbrook PC MPP Donna Skelly, who criticized Hamilton City Council, calling it anti-housing uh, regarding Hamilton's plan. Do you suspect the provincial government will rip up any plan that Hamilton delivers to uh, Queen's Park? Well, I would say that Hamilton's decision and other municipalities who are pushing back on this sprawl agenda are pro-housing that people can afford. Let's make, and this is what the Ontario Greens are calling for, let's make it easy for people to have more housing choices so private developers can develop things like duplexes and triplexes and quadplexes. Let's make it easier for people to have more housing choices with things like 
laneway suites and secondary suites and basement apartments and tiny homes, which will help people um, have a pathway to affordable home ownership while at the same time uh, promoting uh, more affordable rental options for folks. And my gosh, in addition to working with the private sector and creating more choices for people where they don't have to commute so far, Let's have the province put some money on the table. We haven't done that since the mid-1990s and actually help finance uh, nonprofit and co-op housing providers to build more affordable housing spaces, especially permanent supportive housing spaces with wraparound mental health addictions and other supports so we can make sure everyone in our communities has a place to live close to where they work in the community they love. We have a couple more minutes with Mike Schreiner, leader of the Green Party of Ontario. I want to switch gears and talk about COVID for a little bit. I know we're all sick of talking about it, but we're in the sixth wave of the pandemic. Uh, We've heard yesterday from Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health that the province is not going to reintroduce the mask mandate at this time. Do you agree with that move? Should we just be continuing on what we're doing? You know what? We have to do something to contain the spread of the sixth wave and really protect our hospital capacity and those frontline healthcare heroes who have been taking care of us, who are so underpaid, underappreciated, uh, and and disrespected by the by the current government, we need the premier to come out with a clearly communicated plan of what steps the government's going to take to ensure that people have equitable access to things like testing. What kinds of layers of protection like masking will be needed in what types of places to ensure that we're protecting the most vulnerable and the immunocompromised? You know, the premier's got to stop uh, wishing it away. Hope is not a plan. And the people of Ontario need to know what the government's plan is. Mike, appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, anytime, Rick. Pleasure to be on. That is Mike Schreiner, leader of the Green Party of Ontario. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The provincial election is coming up on June the 2nd. And Elections Ontario is hoping that you vote by mail. Yeah, the mail-in ballots. Will you do so? Will you check out an advance poll? Or are you adamant that you have to vote on Voting Day. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Well, let's talk about mail-in voting and advance polls and election polling with Greg Essenza. He's the Chief Electoral Officer with Elections Ontario and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Rick. Why the big push to vote by mail this time around? Well, actually, we're, we're pushing not only vote by mail, but many of the other channels we have of voting, including advanced polls. And really what we're trying to do is really flatten that curve of when people come and vote. Traditionally here in Ontario, most Ontarians would come on Election Day. And we're still going to have over 7,000 uh, lo- locations up and available for na- or from, from 9 till 9 p.m. Uh, on Election Day. But uh, to, to help with certainly some of the, the concerns around COVID and, and the spread of that, um, you know, we are pushing some of the other channels as well this election. Uh, for this election in advance poll, we've increased from five days to 10 days, which also allows the local returning officer to uh, move polls around during that 10 days. So if you're in a large geographic riding like Hamilton West and Ancaster Dundas, where population densities are, are spread out throughout the riding, that allows the local returning officer to have a poll in one part, part of that riding for three or four days and then maybe move it to another part which ultimately provides more convenience for the elector. So that's really what we're trying to ensure is that the elector can can vote in the manner or the channel in which they wish to exercise their democratic right. 
at a date and time that works for them. Uh, and we want to try to make that as easy as possible this election. Given all the unproven claims of fraud during the U.S. presidential election um, back in 2020, do you have to convince Ontarians that our system through the mail is safe and secure? Well, we take great pains to ensure that the integrity of the process um, is at the highest standards that Ontarians uh, expect of us to maintain that. So, you know, we, we fundamentally, we use a paper ballot system. We always have a paper ballot of how every Ontarian votes. We ensure that uh, every Ontarian has to provide some form of identification that uh, sets out who they are and where they live and somewhere here in Ontario. And we, we ensure that through a variety of different means that no elector is able to vote more than once no elector is able to get a ballot without proving their identity and their residence in Ontario. So we, we, we want to ensure the confidence of Ontarians that, yes, our voting system is safe, secure, uh, and that they can come out and exercise their democratic right in a fast, efficient manner, whichever channel they choose this uh, this coming spring. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Greg Essens, a Chief Electoral Officer with Elections Ontario. We um, administered a Twitter poll question yesterday about voting by mail and whether our listeners plan to do so or not. 77% said they do not plan to do so. How many people are expected to vote by mail this time around? Well, that, that, that's what's really unknown to us this time. Last election, we had just over 10,000 people in Ontario vote by mail. Uh, we had over 5.9 million people in total vote in the province. Now, what we have seen from you know recent elections, most recently the federal election, there was a substantial increase in vote by mail. Uh, it went from 55,000 in 2019 to over 700,000 in 2021, of which 300,000 people voted from here in Ontario through through mail. So what we really don't know, Rick, is, is how many were prepared. Obviously, you know, depending on whatever number of people vote by mail, we're prepared for that. But what we're really trying to do is, is utilize all the channels of voting, um, whether it's vote by mail, advanced voting, coming into the office for special ballot in the returning office, and, of course, on Election Day, our, our traditional manner of uh, having over 7,000 locations up and open for, for 12 consecutive hours. Voting by, uh, or I guess digitally or online, has been debated over the last number of years. Are we any closer to doing so? Just hopping on our phone, tablet, to whip open the, the laptop and casting our ballot that way? You know, we, we've been studying that for some time. We did a, a big report back in 2013. Effectively, what we said, we just haven't found a channel that meets the security and the integrity um, that we need to have for a provincial election. We continue to study that. But until we actually get to some form of an acceptable digital identity, I think it's still going to be a ways off at this at this point, at this juncture. We had this discussion on the show yesterday. Could you not copy what the CRA does with tax returns? I think the, the one thing is, is what's different in voting is uh, fundamentally, uh, you know, secrecy of the ballot is one of those core covenants of our, our electoral system. And ensuring that, you know, fundamentally as the administrator, I don't know how you voted, um, you know, is paramount. Uh, so like the CRA, if you have a difficulty uh, with your return, you want to have the shared secret that you have with the CRA. With a ballot, it's different. You don't want me to know how you voted. So ensuring that uh, until we have, as I say, a real acceptable digital identity, I know there's a number of different entities working on that. Until we see that, uh, I think, you know, we likely won't see uh, Internet voting at the provincial level for, for a while. That's a good point. Greg Essence uh, is our guest, Chief Electoral Officer, Elections Ontario. We're talking about the June 2nd election. That'll be here before we know it. Uh, you met with Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Kieran Moore, and his team recently. What pandemic protocols are going to be in place for those who do go to advanced polls or to polling stations on Election Day? 
so we, we've been meeting with the chief medical officers since September of 2020. We meet with them every month, uh, and we, we get the best advice. So for this election, we will have many of the health measures that you see currently when you go to your grocery store or pharmacy. We'll have physical distancing. We'll have signs on, on, the, uh, on the floor of all of our polls. We'll have masks. We'll have hand sanitizers. We'll have masks for, for both voters and those who work for us. Uh, similar to what you saw in the federal election, we will have the shields between the elector and the voter. You know, our, our ultimate goal is to ensure the health and safety of everyone involved in the electoral process, from electors walking in the door to those working for us. We want to make sure that the election is safe and secure and Ontarians can come and exercise their right to vote in a very safe environment come this June. And what's new this time around is that Elections Ontario has launched a new app. For those who download it, what can they see? So what we can see for this election, once the voting locations are, are secured and once the writ has been issued, uh, what they'll see is uh, the app will actually show all of their locations, their advanced lo- locations. It'll map from where they are to the closest one. It'll show their election day information. It'll show all of the candidates that are registered in their particular riding. It'll also even produce the what we call the voter information card. It will produce that digitally and electronically. But most importantly about this is it really somewhat changes the paradigm and how we communicate with Ontarians. Traditionally, we just mail out a, a paper, you know, piece of paper that uh, shows all their voting locations available to them. But now they get to communicate in the manner they see fit. So if they want an SMS text, fine. If they want an email, fine. If they want both, fine. If they want to be updated when a new candidate registers in their writing, we can do that. But it allows now the elector to choose the manner in which they wish to communicate with us and the manner in which they receive information. So it is a pilot for this election, and we encourage all Ontarians, please come out and try it and let us know what you think. Greg, great chance. Uh, Lots of uh, information that our listeners can use on their way to June the 2nd. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, Rick. Have a great day. You too. That's Greg Essence, uh, Chief Electoral Officer with Elections Ontario. Yes, voting day June the 2nd. There will be a number of advanced polls. That number will boost from 5 to 10 this time around. The mail-in ballot system is there for uh, you to choose from as well, or you can visit that polling station on June 2. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Four months ago, Blue Rodeo released their 16th, if you can believe it, 16th studio album called Many a Mile, and they're now just days away from playing Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall. And here to talk about it is Blue Rodeo frontman Jim Cuddy himself. Jim, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Many a Mile is your first album in more than five years. What was the inspiration behind this album? Well, I, you know, <clears throat> the, 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 the pandemic and the, uh, all the restrictions did funny things. So I don't think that we had planned on making another record. Uh, they were pretty hard on Greg, on his ears, on his head. So, but he found, uh, he got a little bubble out in uh, Peterborough and made a solo record with a bunch of guys out there, Jim Boskill, who plays with us. And, uh, and he just liked it so much. He called me and said, let's make a Blue Rodeo record. So we made it in this weird way. I made, I made mine with, in my little bubble in Toronto, just one person at a time. And he made his out there in Peterborough. We'd send stuff to each other add and subtract and and got it all mixed up and so it was a very it was a very nice way to make a record it was it was it was very stressless it didn't have the vibe of everybody being in room together but it had it had a kind of um precision that we haven't had for quite a while so it was it was very satisfying way to make a record would you say it's an easier way to make a record 
it's it's easier because uh, you're only dealing with a person, one or two personalities at the same time. I think that it is it's definitely um, something that would be difficult for newer bands to do. I mean, we've been a band for 30 plus years. We know what each other is expecting. And uh, so it was easy for us to fit all the pieces together, but it's pretty abstract. I mean, Greg and I were never in the same room together and you couldn't tell that from the record. So I think that that's the, that's the uh, value of experience. Absolutely. Jim Cuddy is our guest, Blue Rodeo frontman. Blue Rodeo plays Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall this Friday and Saturday. Should be a barn burner of a show. Do you have a favorite song on this album? Well, I like my song, uh, I Will Wait For You. I think it's a really lovely picking pattern and it's a nice message. Um, They've really written for my kids, just watching them go off into the world. But I also like Greg's uh, Greg's song, uh, Ride Your Bike which is a very imaginative piece about somebody with a very vivid imagination riding around the city. And uh, it's, it's a pretty, pretty beautifully structured song. How many times have you played in front of a live audience since COVID restrictions lifted? <laughs> uh, not very many. Uh, we, we sort of have, we were in and out a little bit. We got some summer shows in last year. We were able to do shows up till about December and then everything got canceled, but we've done, now this is an actual tour with a set and, a, and, a, and video screens, et cetera, and trucks. And we've done about 10 of these. So by the time we get to Hamilton, we'll have done about 11 or 12, uh, in this tour, which is all fragmented. It doesn't really end until next November. What's the best part of playing a live show? You know, it's it honestly, it's about communing with the audience. It, it just sounds so corny now, but since we've been deprived of that um, experience for so long, just watching people dance, sing, not pay attention, pay attention, just this event that we're witnessing and experiencing together is a is just a it's really um, it's really exciting still. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Jim Cuddy, Blue Rodeo frontman. Blue Rodeo will be playing Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall. You can get your tickets, ticketmaster.ca. Do you think you or, or even many musicians kind of took playing in front of a crowd for granted or at least have maybe a new um, appreciation for it? I think that's a very good statement. I think that anything you do repetitively you start to become so accustomed to it that you do take it for granted. And certainly being deprived of being able to do that for two years, generally, I mean, we, we did do some stuff. Um, yes, there's no, there's no small complaints on the tour right now. Nobody is worried about the sandwiches not being cut right or not getting, <laughs> their, not getting their type of beer. Um, I think everybody in our camp really appreciates being back out on the road and playing with each other and hanging with each other. So, Yes, I think that we all did take it for granted, which I think is is natural if you do something 150 times a year. The new album, as I mentioned, is called Many a Mile. And as I stated off the top, this is your 16th studio album. Did you ever think when you started in the biz, you'd have one album, let alone 16? <laughs> no, we never thought we'd have one. By the time we came back to Toronto, we were so tired of, of and disillusioned with chasing record contracts and and being involved in that that whole world of of uh, uh, of illusion that uh, we were very happy being a barbet. We were very happy playing a night and having people dance and you know enjoy themselves. Uh, so yes, the whole thing sort of came about, and, and we were a little reluctant to believe it. And um, and I think since then, 
I don't think we ever take that for granted because we were t- too long. We were, you know, seven or eight years without the possibility of making a record. And so those, that's still very f- uh, firmly placed in our memory that, that we didn't have that for a long time. So, um, no, making re- records is a gift. And, and I, the greatest gift is having an audience, is, is people that listen to you. That's, that's the greatest gift. Well, there's no doubt about it. The audiences from coast to coast are appreciative that Blue Rodeo is back on stage and back with a new album. Uh, nothing but the best in Hamilton and beyond. Jim, really appreciate your time today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. That is Jim Cuddy, singer, songwriter, frontman for Blue Rodeo. They will play Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall on Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, they got a bunch of other shows that are lined up from places like St. John's, Quebec City, Winnipeg, uh, Regina, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, a bunch of other ones in between. And uh, you talk about star-studded bands, members of the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. They have a star on Canada's Walk of Fame, Order of Canada, the Governor General's Performing Arts Award, and more than 30 Juno Awards and nominations. Uh, Jim Cuddy and uh, his band, Blue Rodeo, is uh, going to put on a great show, I am sure, at First Ontario Concert Hall. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Oh, Richard! <laughs> oh, wow! Wow! Will Smith just smacked Yes, he did. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Thanks for joining us once again and making us a part of your morning each and every morning. Yes, Will Smith has been banned from attending the Academy Awards for 10 years for his slap of Chris Rock, but he can still win an Oscar and he can still attend those Oscar after parties. Uh, It's an interesting uh, penalty, I guess, from the Academy Awards. Also want to discuss a couple of other issues with our next guest. Are movies too long? Yeah. Yeah, they are. And what makes a film Canadian? Bill Brio is a television critic and author. You can find out all sorts of information and great information from him online at Brio.tv. Bill, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Uh, good morning, Rick. Good to be back. So it is a 10-year ban for Will Smith uh, for uh, his slap. He can't attend the Academy Awards for the next decade. Uh, the Academy calling Smith's actions, quote, uh, unacceptable and harmful. Is it a fair penalty? Is it too lenient? Is it too harsh? Where do you sit on it? You know, Rick, it's, I don't know. I've read a lot of comments, and some of them are pretty funny, you know, some people are suggesting his punishment should be that he has to host the Oscars next year. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, um, and so, I, I mean, I guess it's punishment, but um, I think uh, Ricky Gervais joked that he might get off with just six years with good behavior. But, um, yeah, I, it, I don't know. It, it, this thing just never ends. He's sort of been punished because, you know, just the shame of it all. It's sort of ridiculous what happened, and... Uh, he's going to have to live with this the rest of his life. Anytime anybody references his Oscar, it's going to have an asterisk next to it, I think, because of the slap. So, um, yeah, you know, I guess it's a punishment to be to not have to sit through a three-and-a-half-hour Oscar ceremony for ten years. <laughs> the other thing, too, the, the next Oscar host or hosts uh, at least have something in, in their back pocket in terms of the material they can deliver in the next Oscar ceremony. Yeah, I suppose. A year from now, we'll probably still remember this, yeah. I mean, it, and, and it, it's just changed, you know. It, it's, it's a hard job 
you used to have uh, you know Johnny Carson or, or some Billy Crystal. All mm-hmm. these guys would come out and do ten minutes. I watched one uh, the other day of Steve Martin's from fifteen years ago, and I remember loving it at the time. And then watching it now, and it just wasn't funny at all. So it, it's a hard job, I think, and, and the jokes don't often hold up over the years. So. And, and I think that's why a lot of the, ho- the the most recent years, they haven't even had hosts, right? So we'll see how they go forward with this. Yeah. Uh, Saturday Night Live had a skit about long movies, uh, basically urging movie makers to trim the fat and shorten their films. Why are movies so long these days? I don't know. It's a good question. I think that movies maybe feel they have to compete now with television and with streaming and a lot of us are, are binging shows, so we will sit through four hours a night or three hours. If it, it you know, we will watch six episodes of Afterlife, for an example, one I did with Ricky Gervais, because we love that show and it takes a year to wait for it. It finally comes on and you binge it. Um, the difference is that the, with movies in, in cinemas, you know, you you need a bathroom break or you, you need a break now and then. But I just think with so many movies now being made to be consumed at home, you just push pause. You just, you know, you, you, you can control how much of it you watch when you watch it on demand. And I guess that's how that has led to these stories just going a little longer because they're competing against three-hour stories that are being told now on television. That's a great point. Bill Brio is our guest, TV critic and author. You can find out a bunch of great content on his website, TV. Uh, TV. Uh, Bill C-11, not too many people are familiar with this. It's a new piece of legislation that's before Canada's Parliament that would require streaming services to include a certain amount of Canadian content. The question is, though, what makes a Canadian film Canadian? Well, you know, there's all kinds of ways they measure that in terms of the government and funding agencies. You know, you get so many points if the writer and the director and the star and you know, the craft services, the crew, all of it, and it all adds up to it being Canadian content. Um, you know, there's a lot of movies and TV shows shot across Canada that are um, basically American shows that are just produced here because the dollar is better and, and, and our crews are great, and, and there's, you know, experienced people all over to make them, especially if you think like Hallmark movies, things like that. Most of them are made in Canada. A lot of them are shot in Hamilton. So... Um, but to make it Canadian, I think it has the creator, the, the person with the vision for the film, uh, really uh, should be a Canadian, um, and, and probably other you know directors, other principal people. Uh, that adds up to it being considered a Canadian production. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how they figure it all out. Bill, we're plumb out of time. Appreciate your time today. Anytime, Rick. Take care. That's Bill Brio, television critic and author. Find out more info online, brio.tv. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.